Welcome to Doc's Outside the Box Podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry, you're getting real live insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Protect yourself against life setbacks with Set for Life Insurance. Set for Life Insurance gets you disability and life insurance at a reduced cost with their exclusive discounts. Now that's why I use them. Visit www.setforlifeinsurance.com and tell them Dr. Darko sent you. What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee Darko. Welcome back to another episode of Docs Outside the Box podcast. This is going to be a good one. This one, you're definitely going to want to bring (laughs) plenty of paper, pen, because you're going to want to keep a lot of notes. On this episode, we're going to be talking about business. We're going to be talking about intellectual property, how to make sure you're actually protecting your business the right way. And on this episode, I have Art Steele, who is the host of a great podcast called the legal ease for entrepreneurs. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Stitcher Radio. And this tagline is is it's empowering creatives about the legal aspects of running a business. And her podcast is something that I listen to literally um, anytime an episode comes out, I get a notice and I am chomping at the bit to listen to it because she talks about all the different things that you know, most creatives, most entrepreneurs go through and, you know, things like legalizing your website. How do you do that? What entity to choose in terms of LLC versus sole proprietorship, the contracts that people need for their business or things like how to protect your intellectual property, like your blog post, your, you know, this very own podcast app. You know, these are things that, you know, most entrepreneurs and creatives don't think about mainly because you're focusing on your business. So I brought her on the show to talk about a lot of different things that you all in the Docs Outside the Box Nation are probably thinking about. This is going to be a long one, so I'm just going to get right to it. So the things that you're going to learn on this episode are you're going to learn about her background, which is very, very interesting. You're also going to learn about her qualifications in business and intellectual property law. She's going to talk about how to find the right lawyer. And this is going to be really cool is the reasons why you want to be an LLC. We're also going to broach, you know, sole proprietorship and then also that term that everybody talks about, S-corporation. We're going to talk about it from a lawyer's standpoint. I know you all heard about it from a CPA standpoint and from a financial advisor standpoint, but you're going to hear it from a lawyer standpoint. And then also we're going to talk about the top five mistakes she sees entrepreneurs and creatives make. Once again, this is going to be a good one. Like I said, make sure you're ready to take a lot of notes. This is going to be a long one, so buckle your seatbelts in. And without further ado, I present Art Steele. Art Steele, welcome to Docs Outside the Box. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I know we've been going back and forth trying to get you on the schedule, um, either with my schedule being out of whack or you're being so busy, but... I'm really glad to have you on the show. I think the audience is going to learn a ton from you. So once again, welcome to Docs Outside the Box. Thank you. I am so glad to be here. And, you know, I hope that I can be helpful to um, your listeners. Now, look, I, I know you're you're a fellow podcaster, so you're killing it with the podcast game. Your podcast, which is called Legal Ease for Entrepreneurs, is really a, a great podcast for you know creatives, um, any type of entrepreneur that's looking to get some knowledge on the mistakes that entrepreneurs make, um, things that involve tax law and kind of everything in between. So before we get too much into the nitty into the nitty gritty, can you just do a quick introduction of yourself? So, um, well, let's see. Uh, I guess I do. You want me to start from like law school or just talk about like Girl, my whole t- background? Let's <laughs> take it all the way back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's take it all the way back. Where are you from? So I am originally from Liberia, West Africa. And um, 
my let's see like my family moved here when I was um I guess like two years old and and then my mom passed away mm-hmm. while we were in California when I was like five years old and so we moved back to Liberia because my dad became a single parent and he had three children one was an infant which was my younger brother um, and so he couldn't really afford to take care of us. And so my uncle um, was living in Liberia. He was way more established. And so we went to go and live with him. And we stayed there and we were fine until the Liberian Civil War started, which was like back in like 1990. Well, at least that's when we left. And so we had to leave the country because my uncle, who later adopted me, actually became um, an, and became my father. He was involved in um, the government like he was like the lawyer for like the, the ruling party, something like that, like their counselor. So anyway, he was important enough to where um, a few years earlier there had been a coup or a, an attempted coup. And they came to our house looking for him. Mm. Like soldiers came to our house looking for him and he wasn't there, thank God. But like they did that for like a few other people and the people who they caught, some of them have been executed. But the coup didn't wasn't successful and the president came back in power. But like five years later... There was a civil war. So we knew we had to leave because um, we knew that if it got really bad. Political assignment, asylum you had to get. Yeah, that's exactly how we came. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because we couldn't um, we couldn't he couldn't stay because we we had proof that they were going to come. And so we left and we actually stayed in we lived in Ghana for um, a whole year because we had to get political asylum and it's not something where you can like you get right away so um, I had another uncle who worked for the World Bank and he was actually stationed in Ghana and working for their bank like through the World Bank so we were living there we lived there for like a year until all of our stuff came through and then we moved to the US Mm. so I moved here when I was like let's see it was 91 so I was like 12 years old and I've lived here since. <laughs> um, and so we like moved to Virginia and I like, you know, grew up there pretty like a pretty sizable Liberian community. I had a lot of friends in high school who were Liberian. Um, and then I went to VCU for um, undergrad. Go Rams. <laughs> and um, and then I moved back to D.C. and eventually went to law school at American um, where I graduated And then after I graduated from law school, I went to work at like a major law firm because that's what you do (laughs) when you're, I guess, in D.C. and you graduate from law school. So I went to work for this law firm and I was a transactional tax associate. And transactional just means that I didn't do well. I kind of I kind of started out as litigation, but transactional is more where you're doing deals like mergers and more of like what what. Inside of a law firm, you would consider corporate law. Whereas oh, so you're not it, you're not doing like how to get away with murder, like the TV show, and stuff like that, right? <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's absolutely not criminal, but also you don't you don't really go to court. You don't okay. go to court. It's all transactions. So like when company A wants to buy company B, there are a lot of tax implications, and so we would make sure that they could buy each other or sell this division of their company or sell this subsidiary without tripping over any of the tax laws because um, if you don't do it correctly, you could cost the company like millions. Mm. Um, and then I left there and then I went to Discovery Communications, the Discovery Channel. And I was global tax counsel for um, all of Discovery. And so I did that for about a year. And then I left and started my own law firm. So basically, you were a lawyer outside the box, right? Yeah. And then you became a lawyer outside the box, right? Yeah. See, nobody else used that term. Can I trademark that? A lawyer out? Sure. You can, yeah, yeah, we use that. <laughs> lawyer outside the box. Let me see. I'm looking that up while we're talking. So you <laughs> so you went ahead and started your own law firm. Why did you decide to, you know, kind of leave the corporate world and start your own law firm? Well, I mean, um, so 
if if you didn't catch my drift, the work that I was doing was very very complicated, um, very technical, like high like hyper hyper technical tax work, and I just felt I honestly felt like, why am I using my gift? You know, too many people, there aren't one, there aren't too many women tax lawyers, there aren't too many, well, there aren't too many women lawyers, women tax lawyers, women transactional tax lawyers, black women, black women, trans, you know. And so I was like, I'm pretty unique. Why am I using my skills to help this corporation? If I left Discovery today, they could hire any other tax lawyer. Like, they have the ability to just do that. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there were so many people small businesses that could use the kind of skills that I had to grow their business. But they would never know because like when you're a small business, you never think, let me incorporate some tax planning to help my business grow. You think of everything else. You think of marketing and branding and um, networking, but you never think, is there a way I can use tax law? Is there a way I can use the law to grow my business. And I don't mean to not do something legal. I mean to actually make money, right? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So many people just, they just don't do that. And I'm like, why do you think, why do you think major corporations hire tax lawyers? It's because they want to save money. They want to grow their business. They want to take advantage of the tax code, which is perfectly legal. They want to take advantage of the tax code to grow their business. And I felt like I wanted to be that person who would be able to do that for them, obviously on a smaller scale. But if a small business went to, you know, the first law firm that I worked at, you're looking at six, seven, eight hundred dollars an hour. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like a small business like this. (laughs) Yeah. For the average small business, they can't afford that. uh, Like... Well, honestly, like the like the average small business, what people even consider like the average small business or businesses that are making like one or two million dollars a year, they can't afford to pay someone like eight, nine hundred dollars an hour. So let alone the solopreneur, right, which is what we're talking about. The solopreneur absolutely can't afford it. Like some people can't even afford to pay for an entire contract for eight hundred bucks let alone one hour for a lawyer to help you make more money, right? So I just felt like I have this skill. I am aware of this community that needs it. And this is what I want to do. How long have you had your own law firm? Uh, Since 2014. So mm-hmm. going on eight years. So uh, sorry, four years, um, about three and a half. So now you are primarily working in intellectual property um, in business law slash like tax law. That's am, am I correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, s- sort of. <laughs> yeah. All right, you, t- mean, like, you you tell us how what you practice in my bad. <laughs> okay, no, no. It, it's 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 kind of like two different worlds. So it's um, I do a lot of business immigration. So I have I have a law firm, like the law offices of Arnett Steele, which is like my full name. Um, so I have like a, a law firm and with it through that law firm, I do mostly business immigration and I have about, um, three corporate clients. So they're like companies that I do immigration work with. And so they give me cases, those same companies all year round. So I only have three of them. Um, But when I first so when I first started my law firm, I started doing like regular family immigration, right, like helping like citizenship and all that stuff. And then um, I my partner brought in these corporations and then she ended up leaving. So I have them now as my clients. But what was happening is I was starting to get a lot of small businesses who were my clients and. I realized they were asking the same kind of questions, had the same issues, couldn't afford my rate even at $300 an hour. They couldn't even afford that. And so I was like, I have, and those were really the people who I started my firm for, you know, those were the people I had in mind 
when I started my law firm, I actually had two people in mind. I really wanted to do a lot with trust in estates or estate planning because I felt like that was something that was also overlooked. And then I wanted to help small businesses. And so immigration was just kind of, it's like low hanging fruit. And if you get like a steady flow, cause you know, I needed to pay the bills. And so I was doing immigration, but then I just started doing more and more of the work for small businesses. And so that's when I decided to start the podcast last year um, because I was like, there's really big success now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Um, I don't think about it that way, but thanks. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I decided to start the podcast for that to be like an outlet for for myself because I was growing a business. And that's that's something that a lot of people forget that I'm also struggling with this, like, I'm also struggling with growing a business. So I, I'm acutely aware of the struggle in the sense that when it's um, a portion or a an area of your business that you aren't aware of, how it can affect you negatively, right? So for me, the legal comes naturally because that's what I do and formation and keeping things in order because that's what I have to do. But branding doesn't (laughs) Mm. and social media marketing doesn't. Right. So I understand how people feel about legal because I have that feeling towards other areas of my business. So 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 what is, what are the feelings that you think people have? Like someone like me who started a business or has several businesses or any other solo business, like what, is the common theme that these business owners have in terms of their thoughts on on tax law or even just a lawyer in general? Well, the first thing is they're expensive and they are not affordable. I've had people call me and tell me, I can't afford your services, so can you help me out? And I'm like, you don't even know how much I charge. <laughs> Literally, like, right, yeah. like they will tell me, so I can't afford your services. Can we? And I'm like, wait, did I tell you how much I charge? And they're like, no, but I've spoken to some other lawyers or my friend told me X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, if I let me tell you how much I charge. And if you think that that's too much, then obviously we end the conversation. But I think that's the first thing. Like people just feel like like it's on. It's not affordable. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I think people let's even back up because I think a lot of people don't even think about the legal of their business, period. And then if they do think about it, then they're like, oh, that's not affordable. So then it escapes their mind. But I think when people think about starting a business, they think website, branding, marketing, because that's what is so saturated. That's, That's how, that's what they associate with money. Yeah, and that's that's what you see advertising for, right? If you're starting a new business, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on the web, those are the things that are slamming at you. Get a new website, get a new, you know, get this email thing, get this, get that, you know. And I mean, the last thing you're thinking about is tax law or tax advice or law, right? And now, and now you have like legal Zoom, so a lot of people are just like, well, I'll just shortcut my way through this, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, and that's the next thing. So it's. First of all, people aren't even thinking about it. And then when they do think about it, it's, oh, a lawyer is actually too expensive. They're going to charge me eight, nine hundred dollars an hour. Um, And then the next thing is, well, I'll just go and do it with LegalZoom. And so all of those things, (laughs) by the time somebody gets to me, they've had to overcome all of that. And that's a lot to overcome, especially when you're a solopreneur, especially when you when what you're trying to build is a side hustle, so you can't divert that many ex- that many expenses. Um, I'm sorry, that much um, revenue or income toward it because you have limited funds. And so the law is going. I mean, if you even think about it, you're just going to be like, "Sorry, can't afford it. I don't need this. I'm fine." I've seen hundreds of people start their businesses and build websites. And they don't have any legal issues. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to be fine. And one of the things that I really try to emphasize with my podcast, in addition to talking to and learning from people who have built successful businesses, I always like to ask them about some legal issue they had. And if we're talking about like ideal client, um, my ideal client is not someone who is just starting out. 
because that person is not going to understand my value. My ideal client is the person who is two or three or four years in and they've made some legal mistakes and they know they need a lawyer. And that's one of the things I emphasize on my podcast. I always ask my guests, what are some legal issues you face? And then they just start going. Because what people don't understand is eventually you're going to run into it. Eventually. Either tax man cometh. Either tax, either somebody's using your brand, you're using somebody's brand. Um, all these things, they're eventually going to happen. Why? Because of the internet, <laughs> like like they like they say in church, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The internet's. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I see the internet. The internet giveth and the internet taketh away, because we can now run businesses. We can start businesses so much more easily. We can um, have customers or clients all over the world, all over the country, um, because of the internet. But also, because of the internet, now someone can see more easily if you're using their brand, if you're infringing on their trademark, if you're copywriting their stuff, or someone can very easily copyright your, um, infringe on your copyright. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, I think people really just, um, are, they're not thinking like business people. And I don't mean to sound rude or offend anyone when I say that, but they're not thinking like a business person. And I, I am guilty of that. When I'm running my law firm, when I first started running my law firm, I thought like a lawyer and my law firm was not doing well. <laughs> right. When I started well, thinking like a businesswoman, then it started to pick up. Well, I, this is and that's the exact reason why I have you on the show. Right. So we docs outside the box. We have doctors who are doing a whole bunch of different things outside of medicine. A lot of people, a lot of the listeners on this show are either doing independent contracting with a hospital or they're doing something else where they're going to get get paid um, as a 1099. They're not being paid as a W-2. They're opening up their own businesses. Some are some have questions, questions on. Should they start an LLC? Should it be an S corp? Like when? Like let's start at that that portion, right? Because you know you have so many doctors right now who are on who are creating stuff, who are on social media, who are doing so many different things, opening up a website. Let's start from the from the get go. When should someone say, you know what? I need to either create a, an entity and become an LLC, or I need to start thinking about other things like incorporating. Or maybe I should just stay as a sole proprietor. Like, what would you say to someone who's at that point? Okay, so I think there's a there's a lot of information that goes around about LLC versus sole proprietor versus corporation. Um, there's no right answer, and I know it's very simple for people to go to their state's websites and create LLCs or any other entity or go to LegalZoom. But, and, and frankly, nothing is, is not, nothing is un, completely undoable. So if there is a mistake, it can be corrected. But there is a lot that should go into figuring out whether or not you should do an LLC or stay as a sole proprietor. There are just, there are a lot of different competing, um, I guess, um, things for you to consider and whatever wins, <laughs> you know, nothing is going, nothing, everything is not going to work for everyone. You're going to have to choose which one works best for you. So when it comes to sole proprietorship versus LLC, one of the things that people should think about is, you know, what personal liability do you want to incur when you're running your business? And for doctors, I can imagine that that's something that you would take very seriously. Um, and, and same thing for lawyers, except for lawyers technically can't shield themselves from personal liability because of an LLC, because of our ethical obligations. So we have to get malpractice insurance. Um, but one of the things that you want to think about is if you form a sole proprietorship or if you are a sole proprietor, Yes, you don't have to form an entity officially. You don't have to go to your state's website and register. You don't pay that fee every year. 
But that means that if someone sues you in your business capacity, so let's say you're operating docs outside the box as a sole proprietorship, and somebody says, oh, you know, I didn't give you, and, and, and I'm going to use this example because I think people only think about liability as it relates to what they do, meaning like giving out legal advice or giving out coaching advice or whatever. But let's say you create docs outside the box as a sole proprietor. You post, you create a Facebook group so that you can create a community. And you're like, oh, I want to use this picture. And you take this picture and you put it on your Facebook group as your Facebook cover. And that picture belongs to someone else who has a registered copyright. You've now infringed on their copyright. You owe them money. They send you a letter and say, you're using my photo. You owe me $10,000. If you're not incorporated, like, or not incorporated, if you are a sole proprietor or you are not an LLC or a corporation, that person, even though that activity, that injury, if you will, to them, was based on your business activity for docs outside the box, that person could, if they won, they could attach any of your personal property. So let's say from your your, your income as a medical doctor, you have money in the bank, they would be able to go after that money. Whereas if you had an LLC and the LLC created that injury, right, which it would be because you were operating under it, your liability is only limited to the assets that you have in the business. So if you just started that LLC and you don't have any money and that person sued you and won, that's all that they would be able to get. It's nothing. Right? So, yeah. I'm like biting my nails while you're telling this. I'm like, oh, snap. Yeah, because a lot of people (laughs) just, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm going to be really careful I'm not going to say anything like coaching wise or I'm not going to um, give so and so any advice. So from a substantive standpoint, I'm not creating an injury. But what people don't understand is that when you're operating a business, when you there LLCs exist for a reason, when you're operating a business, you open up yourself to so many different possible um, liabilities. So many you can create injury in just walking down the street and holding your business sign or something like that, you know? And so that's why LLCs are really important. Now, I understand that from state to state, the fees can vary and it can be very cumbersome for in some places to even get it started. Um, But that's the main difference between a sole proprietorship and an LLC. Now, if you choose an LLC, like I mentioned, your liability is limited to Um, the assets in the business, right? Now, when you form your LLC and you go and apply for your EIN, you have an option to elect S-Corp status. So a lot of people hear about S-Corp status, but S-Corp status is a tax status. It's not a state status. If you try to go to your state website to form an S-Corp, you're not going to find that because it's a section subsection S in the IRS code or I, which is the IRC, the internal revenue code. Um, subchapter S is the, the subchapter that allows one to have a, an S corporation. And so you only get that status when you go and apply for your EIN, which is your employee identification number, which is like the social security number for your business. And so when you go to that website, the IRS is going to ask, how many members do you have? Now, if you have only one member, you're a solopreneur, you have one member of your LLC, the IRS is automatically going to treat you as a disregarded entity. That means that in the eyes of the IRS, not the state, not the liability stuff I just talked about, in the eyes of the IRS, your that company doesn't exist. And for that reason, you will report all of your business activity on your personal income tax return on your Schedule C. Now, if you have two members, the IRS will automatically consider you to be a partnership for tax purposes. And you will now have to file a tax, um, a partnership tax return. 
just form 1065. That has a different um, filing date than the rest of every other return. So a lot of people miss it. And if you miss your partnership tax return, it's like a huge penalty. Okay. So if you, let's go back to if you are a single member LLC. So if you're a single member LLC, you can choose to elect S-corp status. And then the IRS would treat you like an S-corporation. An S-corporation is like a hybrid between an LLC and a corporation. So the corporation side is that you get some tax savings um, because corporations don't necessarily pay self. Well, corporations, the, the profits from corporations don't flow through to the person who owns it. Profits from the corporation stay in the corporation. The, pers- the corporations only get money out when they pay income to employees. For an LLC, any profit that's in the LLC, all of it flows through to the the person who owns it. And so that- To their personal taxes. To their personal taxes, right. All of it flows through. Um, so, and with the corporation, nothing flows through. The only way money gets out of the corporation is if they issue a dividend or if they pay a salary. Okay. Now for the S corp is a hybrid. So you can, you can decide what portion of the, the, all the revenue, or I should say profits because it's after your expenses. What portion of the profits is actual salary like a corporation, And then the rest of that flows through to you like an LLC. So it's a hybrid and you can and you end up saving um, money on taxes, which I won't go into because it's too complicated. But um, you also have to file a separate form for an S Corp, but it's informational, meaning you don't pay taxes on that form that you file. You're just saying, hey, IRS, I'm an S Corp. This is what my salary is and this is what's going to flow through to me. And then you issue yourself a K-1 and then the K-1 is what you attach to your personal tax return. For a corporation, you just form 1120 and say, this is how much money the corporation made, period. And then you pay taxes on whatever is not deducted. Now, your salary, let's say the corporation brings in like um, $100,000 and it pays you a $50,000 salary, the corporation would get a deduction. So the only... You know, the only amount on the bottom line, if you will, for the corporation would be that 50000 And that's what the corporation is going to pay tax on. And then you as an employee, right, you're going to put that 50000 on your personal tax return like any money you get from any of your employers. So it's really important, though, that when people are filling out their EIN, that they pay attention and don't just click through. Because I have so many clients who are like... I just received a notice from the IRS saying that I need to file this form. I had no idea. I just went to go get an EIN. And I'm like, well, did you read the letter that the IRS sent you? (laughs) (laughs) Because the IRS, that letter that has your EIN on it. So, you know, you can go online and you can get your EIN and it'll ask you, do you want a letter? It's going to take 12 weeks. Or do you want to get this via email? And most people are obviously going to say email. But what happens is people never look at it. They never read it because when you open it up, your EIN is in the top right hand corner, very top. It's the first thing you see. People never read down. But if you go further and so if anybody here is is has never read that letter, go keep reading and right in about the middle of the page, it will say this is the form you will submit. This is how you're classified. Yeah. So you just went in deep with this and that was good like we we needed that type of explanation as to sole proprietorship versus llc versus s corp actually i don't think we've ever had that type of explanation before but and let me you state a- let me state one more thing so remember how i told you that if your llc if the irs classifies you as um a disregarded entity because you're a, a single member llc and if you're disregarded, you have to report your tax return, your business income on a Schedule C. Remember that? Whereas yeah. if you're an S-Corp, you are going to file the S-Corp form and then 
give yourself another form. And then if you are a corporation, you just file a corporate tax return. Now, your chances go up. Um, your chances of being audited go up if you report your income on a Schedule C. Meaning if you're a single member LLC and you don't select corporate tax status, I'm sorry, S-corp status, or you're not a corporation because those entities don't file their tax returns on Schedule C. So if you're filing a Schedule C, either as a sole proprietorship or an LLC, your chances of having um, or of being audited by the IRS goes up. And it's even higher if you're a sole proprietorship. So those are some of the things to really take into consideration when you're deciding what type of entity to form. And I think a lot of people look at it as, well, I just want to do what's easier. Oh, my God, I went to the website. And in order for me to file this LLC, it's going to cost me 600 a year. Okay, what is it going to cost you if you don't? That's what I always ask people. What is it going to cost you if you don't? I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying how, oh, I want to find a really cheap lawyer. And um, I was like, well, I just had a conversation with somebody about finding a cheap lawyer and this is how it turned out for them. And they're like, oh, I mean, I don't really mean cheap. I just mean like I can't afford to pay a lawyer $850 to send out a cease and desist letter when somebody's infringing on my copyright or my trademark. And I said, how much money are you losing by that person infringing on your copyright or trademark? Mm, that's food for thought right there. Right. Which leads, which leads me to my next point then. How, <laughs> does, how does the listeners right now, how are they able to find the right lawyer for them? You know, that's, I'll be honest, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say that ask more than one person about that lawyer. Ask anybody if they've heard about that lawyer. If you're looking for a lawyer, ask someone. Does anybody know of a lawyer who can help me with X? Um, and call them and talk to them and ask them how much they cost. And lawyers charge different amounts for different things. I, If anybody comes to me for tax work, I charge $375 an hour because that's my specialty. Because... I can read a partnership agreement and within probably three or four hours and I can tell you exactly what you need to do without having to do a whole bunch of research with your partnership agreement because I did that. <laughs> I've, I've read hundreds of them. Mm. But so that, word, of, word of mouth is really important then, obviously. Yeah, you're right. So, but because it's only going to take me two or three hours doesn't mean I don't know what I'm doing or it's going to take this person longer. It doesn't know what they're doing necessarily, right? So I would just say that if you meet someone who charges a lower rate, they may also have lower overhead, right? Like when I first started my law firm, I was able to charge a lower rate because I didn't have to pay for an office mortgage or an office rent. I had a virtual office. I didn't have a full-time assistant who I was paying their insurance, their health insurance and their 401k making a $50,000 salary. So I was able to offer a lower cost because I didn't have the same overhead. So a lawyer charging less doesn't necessarily mean that they're not as qualified or they don't know what they're doing. They just may have different expenses. Um, So I would say word of mouth is probably the best way. If somebody says, my lawyer was awesome, that's the person who you want to, to, to go to. Now, when starting a business, is it important to make sure that they find a, a lawyer who is like a tax lawyer or should they be finding one who does like what you were mentioning before, like intellectual, intro, well, sorry, intellectual. intellectual property lawyer or it doesn't matter at all? It depends on the type of business that you're starting. I, I will not say that I think it's necessary for you to hire a tax lawyer because to be honest, you're not going to find too many tax lawyers who aren't working at major law firms. Um, but I know that my advantage over any other lawyer who anybody else might go to is the fact that I can pull these things out and I fully understand them and I know how they work for someone's business. 
So that's just the edge that I have because of my background. But it is going to be really hard for someone to find just a tax lawyer or a Mm. tax lawyer who works who has this level of experience. I mean, I'm just being frank. I have that because of my background. And most of those people stay in law firms and stay in corporate America. Right. Um, But also, I may not be as experienced as an IP attorney who has canceled um, trademark registrations before or who has done trademark appeals. Right. So you will have lawyers who have varying experiences. But again, just ask them, tell them what you want to do and ask them what how they can help you and maybe talk to one or two and see how you feel about what they're saying. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's kind of the same way somebody would find a doctor, right? You're just like, mm, I don't know what that doctor's saying. <laughs> right. I got you. I got you. Well, let, let's pivot for a quick second then. Mm-hmm. Because since you're working with a lot of creatives, people who are online or, you know, people who are doing virtual mm-hmm. businesses, what are, what are the top five mistakes that you see creative entrepreneurs making right now? Hmm. Top five mistakes. I would say... Too much DIY. And when I, I, that's probably the number one mistake is trying to DIY every single legal aspect of their business. Um, I think once you decide that you want an LLC and once you decide that you want S Corp status, I think it's fine for you to go to your state's website and form your LLC and then form your EIN or get your EIN as long as as you pay attention to those steps I just gave you, I think that's something that people can DIY. What I don't think you can DIY are contracts. Mm, And too many people, too many people do that. And they either use a contract that a friend gave them or they go to Google and they type in um, services, contract, yeah, template. And they have form generators that will give them these um, templates. So for example... I went to a wedding, uh, an event, an event planning conference last week where the majority of the people there were wedding planners or somehow working in the wedding industry. So I went to a website, starts with an R, ends with lawyer.com. And I said, you know what? Let (laughs) me download their wedding, what is it? The wedding services agreement, wedding planner services agreement contract. That I believe they were charging $7.99 or $8.99 for. I downloaded it. It was two pages. And I tried to read it. And I'm a lawyer. And I tried to read it. I couldn't even understand what it was saying. And it basically was a contract that was just stating facts. It wasn't advocating. And that's what a, people, a lot of people don't understand. Your contract should be advocating for you. It shouldn't be Art and me will get on the pot on Skype to do a podcast on this date. Art will do the podcast. Me will record it and he will release it. That's not advocating for you. That's not saying Art agrees that she's going to do the con that she's going to do the show. Art agrees that if she cancels, there's a $50 fee. Art agrees that she is going to allow Nee to use her picture. Art agrees that Nee owns the copyright to this episode. Damn, I just wanted to make a podcast. You got to think about all of this? (laughs) Well, what happens if I contact you and I'm like, you know what, Nee? I'm running for president and I don't want all that stuff that I said out there in the air anymore. Can you please remove this podcast episode? What do you do? Yeah. Right. What if you record an episode with someone? I actually had this happen to me. I mean, it wasn't like a you need to remove it because it's 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 my right. It was just this person wasn't satisfied with the with the episode. And I was like, fine, if you don't if you're not satisfied, I don't want something out there you're not satisfied with. But what if it gets to the point where they're like, this is my voice. This is my likeness. You have my picture. You have it spread all over the internet. I don't want it anymore. Please remove it. But what if that's like your highest ranking episode? What if everybody loves that episode, right? So you want to make sure that you, the person signs a release and that you own the copyright in at least in a contract 
to that episode. But that goes with anything. That goes with like anything that you do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a likeness or an image. It could just be you always want to make sure that anytime you are creating anything, a workbook, um, cheat sheets for anyone or doing anything for someone that you own what is yours if it's yours, right? Your contract should not just be stating facts. It should be protecting you. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That that threw me for a loop right there. Wow. Okay. And so this contract that I downloaded from this company that charges $7.99 and out, I mean, $7.99 was crazy. And there are tons of people out there using it because they don't want to pay the $350 it might cost them to have a contract written that they're going to use 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 times in their business, right? If you use that contract and that person pays you, I don't know how much wedding planners make, $1,000, let's just- A lot of money. Right, well, let's just say you're doing a service that's at least $1,000 and you use that contract every single time. You know, like you use it every year. You you get four, five, six, seven, eight weddings a year. That's eight thousand dollars, and that contract only cost you three fifty. Whereas if you use the other contract that was eight dollars, and that person it's and it's not protecting you, and that person says, "I'm not paying you the," they pay you the deposit, and then they say, "I'm not paying you that five hundred dollars." Then you try to go to your contract, and your contract says nothing. So now you've lost five hundred dollars because you didn't want to pay the two fifty three fifty to get a contract, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I think so th- that's two, right? So number one is DIYing too much. Number two is um, DIYing contracts. Number three, I think, is not un- is not understanding the law, like privacy laws, and how the like the legal issues that come with running a website yo you're gonna have to talk about this because i heard you talk about this on another podcast and i was like my mind was blown because there are so many different people out there who have websites they're collecting emails and all these different things and there are no privacy policies so you're gonna have to get in on this one let's hear about this one okay so it is required by law that if you are collecting any personable identifiable information from someone, you have to disclose how you are going to treat that information and what you're going to do with it and how you're securing it. You just have to disclose to them. And that's generally done in a privacy policy. That's something else that a lot of people download from whatever website, form feed generator or whatever. The problem is that Whatever you say in your privacy policy, you should actually do. <laughs> what? Right. But what also, are you, talking about? <laughs> you should not say things in your privacy policy that you don't do. So what a lot of people will do is just say, oh, I came across this privacy policy. It has Google Analytics in it. I'm going to stick it in there because it sounds good. Oh, I came across another one that has Facebook pixels. I'm going to stick that in there. I'm going to and then they come across one that talks about website cookies and this and that and all that stuff. Oh, that's all of that sounds good. Let me throw it in there. Well, what if you don't even use Google Analytics on your website? You don't need to include that you're using (laughs) Google Analytics. Right. So what a lot of people will do is go to like some big company and be like, oh, well, I'm going to use Google's because Google has really smart lawyers. So I'm pretty sure that their lawyers drafted it for them. So, you know, did a really good job. So I'm going to use that one. But Google does all kinds of crazy stuff that you're not doing with your little blog that just has a contact page. Right. So you got to keep it. You got to keep it specific to what you're doing, to what you're doing. So I it was so funny. This person I was telling that somebody was asking a question about a privacy policy. And I think I responded and said, oh, this is what you need to have in, in it. And then somebody else responded and said, I actually paid money for a lawyer to draft my privacy policy. And then I found another one online and it included way more stuff than my lawyer left out. <laughs> and so I started using that one. And I was like, 
And this is so insane because it just shows I have this saying. It comes from a movie that I will not repeat because it's like a, the corniest movie ever. And it's one of my favorite in the world. Come on, let us know what movie it is. Let me say the quote. You got us all anticipating this now. Come on now. Let me say the quote first. (laughs) There's this amazing quote that says, more isn't always better. Sometimes more is just more. I know what movie that's from. I just don't remember the name. I'm not saying it on air. Anyway, so more. Audience, if you've heard this quote, write me in. (laughs) Look, let me tell you something. Tweet tweet me, please, if you know what this quote is. I can guarantee you that nobody will guess where it's from because I literally watched this movie 150 times and I know every single word. Anyway, Wait, say that, say that quote again real quick. Hold on. <laughs> You're going to Google it. <laughs> I'm not going to Google it. I'm going to let my audience Google it. <laughs> okay. So it's the quote is more isn't always better. Sometimes more is just more. And I think that when it comes, sometimes when it comes to legal, people just feel like, oh, look at all the stuff that's in this contract or that contract or in this privacy policy. I'm just going to stick it in mine because then I'm covering all of my bases. But you could actually be costing yourself, um, causing yourself an issue because if you are stating that you are doing all these things, I have we have the most whatever the best possible security feature in the world to prevent whatever when you don't (laughs) because google has that don't put that in there right another really really big mistake that people make because they think it just sounds good is they will say that i am not going to share your your information with a third party the problem okay yeah what's wrong with that problem is that Okay, so if somebody goes to your website and they put in, you have your pop-up box and they put in their name, what happens? What's the next thing that happens? I don't have one yet. That's why I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. (laughs) So the next thing that happens. But I'm going to be doing, but I'm going to be taking people's emails pretty soon. So So, I'd like to know. So what happens is, okay, how are you going to take people's emails? Via that pop-up. Okay, but where, think, what is that yeah. pop-up going to be connected to? An email company, right? Like MailChimp or yeah, 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 or yeah. Drip okay. mm-hmm. or who, Active Campaign or whatever. Guess what? They're a third party. And so by that person... You're sharing it with a third party. <laughs> you're sharing it with wow. a third party. I didn't even think about that. Are you serious? Yes. In that literal of a sense? Well, yeah. They're a third party. So, All right. But people put that in there because... They're like, oh, I'm going to tell people I'm not sharing their information. And then sometimes people want to get really cute and they say an unrelated third party. Well, that's a legal term. What does unrelated mean? Am I unrelated to Drip? That's who I use for my email. Or am I related to them? What's considered unrelated, right? So it's like, if you don't know what that means, don't say that. Because a lot of people, a lot of lawyers actually will say unrelated. I just tell people, when you email me, I have an email system and they're also going to get your email and I can't tell you what I can't guarantee that security system because I don't control it. Just disclose. You know what I mean? So But isn't that but aren't you afraid that's gonna turn people off? Then yeah. If it does, then let them be turned off. I don't want to collect somebody's information under false pretenses because that's exactly what's gonna get you in trouble. That's the reality of the situation is that if I'm going to be collecting hundreds and hundreds of emails, which is what everybody wants to do to build their list, there are going to be a few people who are going to be like, eh. first of all, the very few people who actually read the privacy policy. And then they're going to be like, eh, I don't know. I mean, this guy sounds really good, but I don't want drip to have my, I mean, it's not going to happen. Um, but there might be one or two people and then that's fine too. let them not do that if they don't feel comfortable. But that's what the S that's what the FTC wants. They want for people to know what's going to happen to their information before they give it over to you. That's the least that you can do if you're going to be involved in this internet marketing or internet world, because the, the FTC wants to make sure, which is the federal trade commission. And they're, they're the ones who basically have passed this law to say you must disclose. Another thing that people say is, I'm not going to sell your information without your written consent. The problem with that is, what if somebody wants to buy docs outside the box because you have a thousand email 
addresses or 1,500 or 20,000 or whatever, guess what? You can't sell docs outside the box to mm. those people oh, until wow. you contact every single person on your list and get permission. Can you imagine wow. if you're trying to do a deal and you're like, oh, just just got to hear back from 20,000 people. I mean, you can, but now you've violated your privacy policy. Right. So I, because of privacy policy, it's pretty standard. And there's so much other stuff in there that I didn't even man- mention. But because it's pretty standard, we could talk about that all day. I actually have an entire episode about this. Um, but because. Which episode is that? Let's see. That's. So I have a getting started series, which is like a legal series. It talks about all of this stuff that we just went over. It's episodes 13 through 17. I'm going to have to put that in the show notes. Yeah, in my on my podcast. Um, but yeah, so I have a template where you could download it and you just fill in your information and you would have an up-to-date privacy policy and it doesn't include any of that language. Like, I'm not going to sell your stuff or I don't share your stuff with an unrelated party. And if you do use Google Analytics, there's an option for you to include that language in there. If you use Facebook Pixels, there's an option for you to include that language in there. So you at least understand that it's not just all of this stuff is always included. So, again, you can get that on, from my website. Um, so I would say that. And then the, so that's that's three. The fourth thing is commingling of funds. And mm. and that's you're talking about personal accounts versus person, business accounts. Right. And that's a that's a tricky one. Because when you're first starting your business, a lot of us don't get like that capital that we get, like where we get a huge influx and, you know, we can say, oh, this $10,000 I have is for the business. We're getting paid and using our money from our personal accounts, right? So it's just like, hmm, if I need to go and buy office supplies, why don't I just use my um, personal checking account? Because there's no money in my business account. That can happen. But what I tell people is try as hard as you can. I know it seems like the left hand just giving money to the right hand. Um, But try as much as you can to just take the money from your personal account and actually deposit it into your business account. And then use a check card from your business to go and buy those office supplies. Because... Like I said, if you're um, a Schedule C and the IRS audits you, they're going to ask for all your bank accounts. And if you put on your bank account, on your tax return, your Schedule C, that you had $100 in deductions, but let's say you only got $50 from something you sold and only $50 was in your PayPal account and the other $50 you used from your personal account, well, the IRS now is going to say, well, you only have fifty dollars in your business bank account, so how did you get five hundred how did you get a hundred dollars in deductions? We want to see that bank account. And now the IRS is going through your personal bank account and they're like, Well, how do I know that you didn't go to Staples to go buy coloring books for your children or crayons or school supplies for your kids? How do I know this is a business expense? I need to see that receipt, you know? So you just don't want to get audited. And you want to make sure you have everything in order and you want to organize it once you get audited. So that's separate accounts, separate accounts. And then the last one I would say um, probably independent contractor versus um, employee. And I think too many people are um, mischaracterizing being an independent contractor because it's cheaper for small businesses or just businesses in general. And that's another thing that will really perk up the IRS's ears, if you will, um, if they feel like somebody who is really an employee is being treated as um, an independent contractor. And that can that can result in huge fines because well well art i mean we got a lot a ton of information in this uh, interview this was phenomenal thank you very very much for dropping all this knowledge and before we end the interview i just want you to take a moment to you know give yourself props and tell us tell the audience members where we can find you where we can 
you know, get in contact with you, follow you, find your web, find your podcast or even get your templates so that, you know, we can get our businesses started off right. Okay, so um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm artsteel underscore ESQ. And um, you can visit my website at artsteel.co. And if you're interested in contract templates, you can um, go to artsteel.co slash shop. I actually have a three-day video series or a three-day challenge called Legalize Your Business. And anybody can sign up for it by going to my website, artsteel.co. And that's a wrap. This episode is officially over. This one was a good one. And I'm telling you, she dropped a lot of knowledge. And it may have been a little bit too much for you, but you could always go back, re-listen to what she said, and obviously take notes. If you want to learn more about Artsteel, you can go to her website at artsteel, that's A-R-T, S-T-E-E-L-E dot C-O. And then obviously you can also find her on Apple Podcasts as well as Stitcher Radio for her podcast, which is called The Legal Ease, E-A-S-E, for entrepreneurs. I will leave all of the links to get in touch with her on the show notes at www.docsotb.com. And as always... I'll catch you guys on the next episode. But before we jet, just remember one thing. We only got one life. Let's make it count and live outside the box. Peace.